Homesteads and Homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. What's up, people? Welcome back again to Homesteads and Homeschools. I am your host again, the Liberty Hippie, here with you for another week again. Three times I said again. And as you might have uh, heard at the beginning, uh, me me making chicken noises, it's going to be an episode about chickens because it's been a long time coming. Uh, a couple people have, have asked and... Um, I uh I asked friend of the show, Senor Daggerus, to uh come on and help me out. We uh talked a lot about chickens and uh basically kind of getting into chickens and uh some things to consider, some things to think about, and um yeah, you know, check it out. Give it a listen. If you are thinking about chickens, if you have chickens, if you know somebody getting into chickens, give it a listen. Um They'll appreciate it. Mostly talked about layers uh, this time around. We may may do an episode in the future talking about meat birds because meat birds are fun. I don't know about fun. They they, they they're not fun. They're uh, useful, very useful because you can put a lot of meat in your freezer fairly quickly, and it's uh, tasty and good for you. So, of course, this is episode number seventy eight, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash zero seven eight. So uh, let's call it right there. Let's let's get into it. Let's go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Senor Degarest. It's like this revelation dawned on me. It's so amazing. Help support the cause. I get everyone involved. Yeah, today I have with me a, a special guest, a special friend of the show. And uh, we're, we're going to have a, a chicken-centric episode because somebody asked for that and I was in a bind and here we go. He's, he's here to help me out. So uh, Dag over there at the Agoras Nexus podcast is here today to talk all about chickens. So Dag, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know a fair bit about chickens. Um, I would say, you know, a lot about chickens. I'm guessing you probably would say like, you know, I don't know anything about chickens, but uh, I think that's just your, your personality. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> you, what, what do you have for, for chickens? What do you guys do for chickens? So, um, so I guess uh, we got started uh, probably a little over three years ago with, um, with birds. I had them as a kid and whatnot. Um, but um, but we, uh, we have a small farm. We run it as a business and we do uh, pasture-raised poultry products. We do eggs. We do meat broilers. And we also do heritage breed turkeys uh, for Thanksgiving as well. And then a few other randos, you know, we've got a goose and a duck and they're kind of just for fun. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's what we're doing for now. We're definitely looking to expand. I want to get a good duck flock going here in the future uh, for duck eggs. 
but um, but yeah, man, we uh, we stay pretty busy. We um, we're taking our summer break right now. It just gets too damn hot down here for the birds. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, we uh, we definitely stay busy with them. Good deal. So how how many how many layers do you have on hand? Um. Pro- sorry they're hard to count <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pro- probably about three dozen right now um i definitely uh definitely need to uh to bump those numbers up but that's where we're at currently quite a quite a bit there so um and then you do the broilers when you do a batch of um meat chickens how many how many will you do at a time we uh we usually do in the neighborhood of between 50 and 100 in any given batch and their run is about eight weeks so um so we normally have you know well, let's say average like 75 at a time go in. Uh, we do a, the uh, the big mobile pens, a la Joe Soliton style, um, and we run them uh, run them over pastures so they get moved every day. They're getting fresh grass, fresh bugs, spreading the manure around. Uh, it's a it's a really cool system. It works out really well. Very cool. I'll have to talk about that. But um, so I guess somebody's thinking about getting chickens, right? Um, where where do you go to get them? Well, um, there's a lot of places you can go. You can um, you can do something as simple as just look on Craigslist or whatever marketplace kind of thing you prefer. Um, and a lot of times you can find them on there. Uh, a note, I have had very poor results doing that and I've had very good results. So you're never really a hundred percent sure what you're going to get as far as the quality of the person breeding them or the breeds or, you know, if it's just some, somebody doing them, you know, they might be inbred or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, that is an easy way to go. You can always go down to your local like farm store, you know, tractor supply or rural king or whatever, and they'll sell them as well. Um, my preference is to order them from a hatchery. Uh, normally, you know what you're getting, you're going to get really good uh, customer service a lot of times if you have an issue uh, and you have a really good selection stuff uh, as well. So that's usually my preference. They come in the mail. They um, they're day old chicks. It's, really incredible that they can just ship them like that. I was really nervous about doing that for the longest time. Um, but <laughs> you know, if you go get them at tractor supply, that's, they, they got shipped there in the mail. So what's the difference? Yeah. And that's what you think about that. Um, when they get shipped to your, uh, I don't know, tractor supply, your real king, your whatever um, you want to call it. They, they've been in the mail just as long, if not longer, you know, cause they, they sit on the floor waiting to get divvied out, um, into their, right selling tanks i guess but um yeah i've always bought them online through through a hatchery um and we've always had decent luck and they uh every hatchery i've ever dealt with has been um very responsive to uh like a dead chick in the box they'll they'll refund your money pretty pretty quickly without much hassle so that is that is nice um i think I think the minimum order is usually around like 15 because I think based on like uh, federal guidelines, like you have to have a certain number maybe, or maybe it's just like weather permitting, but yeah, I think that it's um because they need a certain amount of heat. Yeah. So they have to have enough of them in a box together. So like, um, so one hatchery, a uh, particular that I deal with a lot, if you order a small number, um, let's say like half a dozen or something, they'll throw in like a couple random male chicks just to add heat to the box. Uh, so you might actually end up, end up getting more uh, than uh, th- than you wanted, but just because yeah, they need that that body mass to keep them warm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I think the smallest I've ever seen was like fifteen birds uh, allowable. So that's who do you, do you know who could? Um, I ideal does that, but I think that that's also like let's say you order fifty birds, but you know fifteen or so of each variety. They'll put them in boxes that are divided, and then they'll do what's called like a small box 
fee. So it'll be like any uh, any okay. order under like a hundred chickens of a particular variety is like an extra seven bucks. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and I and I think even at like your local track supply or whatever, um they have minimum orders. I know you, like here in Georgia, I think you have the minimum is is six chickens and then two ducks. And I think when you're in Vermont, it might have been no, George is four. I think Vermont was six. I don't know. But um, yeah, and I'm not 100% sure why that is. I'm not sure if it's just they want to move them out, or I don't know if it's also like an animal welfare thing. Like there's some places like you can't just list free animals. You have to at least charge a couple bucks because they don't want people to pick up free animals and abuse them. So I don't know if it has something to do with that, or, you know, maybe it's just weird selling two chickens. That's, I, um, because I asked once upon a time, and, and that was the response that I got that like they're required by law to sell. X number because oh, wow. you know you can't. Yeah, uh, but that's I mean that's what they told me. Um, you know they they they're not allowed to sell individuals because I don't know you're gonna have a lonely chicken I guess. <laughs> I guess I guess they are kind of social. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you get your chickens home and um, what what do you do for your chickens? Where do you keep them when they're first uh, first born, first hatched? I guess. Yeah, you can almost what's called a, a brooder if they're still really young and they're not feathered yet um, because they need to maintain certain body heat until they get their feathers in. So, you know, a small box, you know, and this is the kind of thing where the, the, the rules are kind of simple, but, you know, however you make it work for your situation. So some sort of small box with a heat source, usually a heat lamp. Um, there, I really like the ceramic heating elements that don't have the light because then they, you know, get a bedtime. Um, the easy thing with having a light though, is you can just see from a distance that it's on and everything's working and they're warm. But at any rate, um, you know, a, a small box, uh, depending on your climate, um, if you're somewhere where it's colder up North, you might want something a little more enclosed. Uh, I'm way down, you know, the bottom of Florida, so it's pretty hot. And I like to have mine a little bit open with plenty of airflow. Um, but they stay warm enough, you know, so, so it's not a problem. So that's a big thing. You want to, you know, a decent little thermometer in there to keep an eye on them. And yeah, you want them in the nineties. Uh, and then as they get older, you can bump that temperature down a little bit. And usually you can just keep an eye on them and tell, tell if they're hot enough or, not, or warm enough or not. If they're all huddled together in a group under the heat source, you know, they might be a little cold. If they're out, spread out, running around, you know, you probably got a pretty good temperature going on. And having two different zones in the brooder is fine, too. A place they can go to get warm, a place over, you know, that they can go run around. And they, you know, they're resilient. They figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think that's, it's interesting. One, one way to figure it out, you know, you watch just watching them, you know, and if they're all bundled up in mass and, you know, you got to turn it up, if they're all crazy spread out, they're probably doing okay. And then, you know. Yeah. It's, it's easy to fret over them, but you know, I mean, they, as, as you've had, you know, just like a random chicken will just sit on eggs and hatch them. And I mean, they, it, it's just a chicken belly that's keeping them warm, you know, and, and they do fine. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty resilient. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good deal. What do you, what do you feed them? In the in the beginning, you just give them special food. Is there chick food or what do you do? Yeah, I get them. Um, you you want to get a chick food. You want to get something high in protein. I usually start them off on like a 20 to 24 percent, um, whatever's available. And one thing that I don't do is I do not give them a medicated feed. Um, I try to do things uh, more more naturally and I want them to develop immunity on their own. Um, so I don't like to give them a medicated feed unless you're in a big industrial setup with hundreds of birds and a, you know, a small space. It's just not necessary. Um, one thing, though, that um, you may find, and this is my experience with my first batch, is when you have a new clean brooder that no chickens have ever been in before, there's none of that, you know, there, there's none of that, um, there's no little bit of disease in there mm -hmm. already. So they don't really develop an immunity. So what unfortunately is 
kind of common as your first batch in a new clean brooder to actually lose a few. But when you do your next batch and you clean the brooder, you know, you don't want to clean it all the way, you know, get most of the shavings out of there, but leave some of the old shavings in there. And that way there's just a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's bacteria or virus, but a little bit of a disease load in there enough to get them an immunity and you'll end up with stronger chickens in the future. So definitely uh, be aware of that and don't get discouraged if you have issues your first time. Yeah. So two things, I think uh, when, when we have chicks, we always, you know, throw some, make sure to throw some dirt in their feet and, and throw some grass and other little things in there that they can kind of nibble on. And hopefully that introduces some of the outside environment into the, uh, their, their environment yeah and and that's actually a great point that's something i didn't mention is um i always make sure they have greens so every day i go out and i pull some grass i pull some clover or daisies mm-hmm. or you know whatever whatever's growing and throw some in there because you definitely want them to have some greens especially because hopefully you're going to be getting them out onto some sort of yard or pasture in the future um, and that's something that they're going to have you know they find that if chickens eat grass they don't get things like avian flu and and you know stuff like that so it's it's really um a good thing just you know i mean just like yourself you know if you just sit around and eat you know you know food that comes out of a factory and never eat you know any greens you know you're gonna have a bad time so you know same kind of thing yeah right on um do you ever uh give get your chickens vaccinated when you order them because i know a lot of places will offer what i forget what it is i think merrick's is one and then there's i don't know I don't know if you can get them vaccinated for. Is it the one that starts with a C? I don't know. Uh, I do, pronounce that word. They va- do they vaccinate for coccidiosis? And then there's, I think there was something else. I can't remember. I, I think that that might be what the medicated feed does. There's going to be okay. a couple things they offer. Another thing that they offer a lot of times is de-beaking, where they actually remove like the end of the beak from the chicken. And most good hatcheries will even like advise like unless you're doing like in the chicken house, a big industrial thing. The vaccinations aren't necessary. The bee beaking definitely isn't necessary. Um, and you know, if you if you're raising the chickens in a situation, the reason they de beak them is so they don't eat each other um, mm-hmm. because they're in such a stressed environment. So if you're raising chickens in a way that they need to be de beaked, I'm going to say you need to go be- go ahead and start over. You know, know, if you're raising chickens yourself, that's not the kind of thing you're looking to do. You're looking to avoid the industrial food process. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Yeah, because that's always one that like. I order them and I'm reading it, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to get them vaccinated. Like, you know, and there's just scary disclaimers sometimes, you know, what these diseases will do. And then yeah, you think about it though, like when you have them and they're, you hatch chicks out on their own, they're not vaccinated and they always seem to do fairly well. And, you know, I think it is, it's one of those, as long as you have them in a healthy environment, as long as they're not, you know, super stressed, it's uh, generally speaking. Sunshine and fresh air, man, does wonders. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, what do you use for um, for litter in your brooders? Do you use uh, wood chips, shavings, hay? What do you what do? You do? Um, yeah, I use just the pine shavings that we get from um, for Tractor Supply. Um, Coming a big bale, or oh, not yeah. a huge bale. I can't fit it in your car, but you know, they come in a big bale. It's like five bucks. There's a ton of them in there, so I use those. And then <clears throat> from there, when you remove the chips from the brooder, you can use them as a mulch. Um, you can put them in your compost bin, something like that. And they're going to be really good uh, for that. One thing that you want to keep in mind in the brooder is you really want to use your nose. If you can smell, you know, an ammonia smell or you can mm-hmm. smell waste, you need to put new chips in there. And, you know, depending on the size of your brooder, you don't necessarily even have to clean out old ones. Just put a layer on top. But just remember that the birds have a very sensitive respiratory system. And if you can smell ammonia, it's too much for them. So you want to get some more wood chips in there, depending on the amount of birds and the density um, once a day. 
uh, sometimes twice a day once they start getting bigger, especially uh, the uh, the broiler varieties because they just yeah. eat food so much. <laughs> it is it is amazing. The first time we did broilers, it was I was just I could not believe how much they just. Eight and pooped, it's, eight and pooped. It's That's weird, it. isn't it? Like when you're so used to the regular heritage breeds, and then you get some broilers in there, and they grow so fat, and they grow faster than their feathers. Yeah, like, weird looking birds, man. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, all right, I got I got my chicks in the brooder. They're growing. They're getting bigger. When can I put them outside? Because I just I got to get them out of the house, you know. Yeah, you got you got to get them out of the house. Um, you know, as 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 soon as as soon as possible. Um, and a lot of this is going to depend on what time of year it is in your location. Um, you know, you want to make sure it's, it's warm enough for them. So for me down here, even in, unless it's like nighttime in the winter, um, once they're like two weeks old, um, I can usually start working them out a little bit. And again, this can be how you design your coop. You know, you can have a brooder area that also opens to the outside so they can go out in the day, but you want to be very careful when they're young, uh, things like aerial predators, uh, mm-hmm. because you know, they'll swoop down and take them. So either be out there with them when you let them out, or you can use like a netting, um, over them to uh you know to give them some protection um or another reason that i really like uh mobile kind of pens is because you know when you just have one area they get out there they poop it up after you know a certain amount of time they eat all the grass but when you have something mobile you know you can just move it so i actually have a few very small chicken tractors that i'll use for some of the younger chicks to uh to get them out on a on grass a little bit earlier but um but yeah usually usually a couple weeks um, probably worst case scenario, four weeks. One thing you can watch for is their feathers growing in. Once their their down starts to go away and they actually get some feathers covering them up, man, mm-hmm. they're good. They can handle pretty much anything once they get feathers. And that's just gonna depend on variety when that happens. Yeah, I um we just hatched some out mid June. It was about mid June. And by the end of June, about the fourth of July, sometime in there, the uh mama hen had like totally left them. Like they were on their own out in the chicken pen, like doing their thing. And they had, you know, some feathers on their wings, but that was, that was about it. And I don't know if, you know, mom was just not a good mother or what, but, uh, you know, they did fine. They did all right. Um, I was, I was surprised that they were kind of on their own that young, but. Yeah. Yeah. They, they figured it out as long as you keep the predators off of them. I mean, there's not much that's going to, not much that's going to take them out. You know, they're, they're, they're very resilient. So I guess when, how old are chickens when they start laying eggs? Uh, it's going to vary a little bit based on variety. You can get some of your more um, egg, you know, bread for specific like commercial egg laying, and they might be as ready as in as little as like four months. Uh, I tend to find about five or so months, give or take a month, uh, before they start laying. You'll get a few small eggs here or there, but then after a couple months, they'll kind of build up to their their normal size. Once the chicken gets to be like two years old, you get the big jumbos, you know. But but yeah, usually you know, plan for about five to six months out from when you get your chickens to when you can start expecting to have eggs regularly. When do you get your your laying chicks then? Do you get them in the the spring because you know then they they come to lay about fall and the sun's getting less and they're not laying as many eggs, or do you get them in the fall and try to take them through the winter or so? Springtime rolls around and they're just egg laying machines or what do you do you do you think about that me personally not really but again climate you know um if you live in you know maine or something yeah you're gonna want to get them in the spring um you know once it starts warming up a little bit and then that way they can grow up through the summer and then by by time winter comes you know they'll be good and hardy and they'll be able to handle winter if you get them in the middle of winter in maine um a i I imagine shipping must be a rough, <laughs> rough experience for them. But yeah, you're going to have to be a lot more, you know, they're going to stay in the brooder longer and this and that, which, 
you know, you'll want to get them out in that fresh air sooner. So I'd probably recommend get them in spring. Down here for me, man, I just, whenever I have availability in pens and brooders and I feel like getting chickens, I just order them because I, you know, it's, it's the opposite down here. Summer is a lot harder on us here than the winter for sure. Yeah, that's that's something I'm I'm learning. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely a big uh, reversal for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, when can I get them off the chick feed? And what do I start feeding them then? So um, I'll I'll bump them down um, from a uh, from like a twenty four percent down to like a twenty percent after a after a few weeks. I don't know, maybe a month or so. Uh, and then after a couple months, I'll bump them down to like a 15% or if, when you get them, you know, if they're layers, you get them over onto a layer fee. That's normally about a 16 to 18%. Um, so just after a, after a couple months, um, you can bump them down to, you know, whatever they're going to be on. But once, when they're still actively growing, uh, I like to make sure they have at least a 20% because that protein is going to help them. And then I also give them, you know, scratch grains, which, um, you know, it's, some people look at it as almost even like a treat. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of energy. Uh, it's a lot of, you know, protein in those grains. Um, I like them because they're cheap. So I kind of mix them in with their feet a little bit too and help break it up. But one thing that's good about the scratch is if you have them out on the yard and, you know, you're tossing out there with your hand, uh, it gives them something to do. It gives them activity. They're going to go around. They're going to find little pieces. They're going to eat it up. They're going to start using their legs to scratch at the ground. So it can also be like training. Or if I like to use chickens for utility purposes. So if I got an area that's all grass and weeds and I want it tore up, I'm not going to break out a tiller. I'm going to put a pen around it. Put a bunch of chickens out there and throw some scratch out there every day and let them do their work. And after a month or so, you know, they, that ground's pretty clean. And then I can come in and plant grass or whatever I want to do with it. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, man, uh, as, like I said, it's just getting them out on the, on the grass and pasture is very important in my opinion. So once you can get them out into the yard, that's going to, that's going to help with your feet a bit. And then um, once they're grown, um, you know, once they're laying eggs and everything, you just want to keep them on a regular layer feed. Um, sometimes, especially like when they go through their yearly molt, uh, which is going to happen when they lose all their feathers or a lot of their feathers once a year. There's probably nothing wrong with them. It's just a natural <laughs> thing. Um, give them something with a little extra protein to help them grow those feathers back. And they sell particular feeds for that. They call it like feather fixer and stuff where it's going to be a layer feed with a little more protein. So um, so you you can do that. But but generally, don't don't freak out too much about making sure you're feeding them the exact right percentage, the exact right time. You know, they're they're – they're, 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 they're critters that have been around for a long time, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. People didn't have that kind of choice in the feed. So, you know, do, do what you think is right and, um, and, and take it from there. Uh, it, but don't, don't freak out too much about it. It's very normal to when you first get into this to think everything has to be, you know, scientifically formulated for a seven and a half week old <laughs> chicken. And it's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, do you give them crack corn or do you stick with the scratch grains or what do you, yeah, the, the, there's there's crack corn in with the in with the scratch grains. Um, so uh, so we we just give it to them. Then. I don't um I don't necessarily mix up my own scratch or anything. But uh but yeah, I mean if you go that route, it's crack corn is really cheap too. So it can really uh help bump up your uh bump up your protein while keeping your feed cost down as well. All right, um, or something. Oh yeah, Mol- molting chickens, man. They're funny looking objects when they yeah. decide to do that. Yeah, but. I, I want to say most most places they get like a regular winter. I think it normally happens in like maybe fallish. Um, ours tend to do it in the summertime. Uh, so, but I think in, yeah, I think in colder environments, I think it tends to happen in, in, in the fall. They probably shed their feathers to, to, you know, get ready for winter time with a, a new batch of feathers. I feel like I should know more about that, but it doesn't pain <laughs> me as much. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things too. It's kind of, you know, eh, doesn't, doesn't change too much. They slow down laying. I think they probably stop, but, um, 
Yeah, and that'll happen, especially if it gets real cold. That'll happen um, in, in the winter. You'll you'll get you know around you know through a few months of winter though they will lay a bit less eggs. So be prepared for that. And again, don't freak out. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just it's just what happens as the days get shorter. Their um you know their bodies adjust. Some people will give them light at nighttime, like in their in their coop to make them lay more. Uh, but I mean, if you're a backyard farmer, obviously, or, you know, um, homestead or whatever, I mean, don't worry yeah. about that. You know, I don't, I don't think it's good for the chickens per se. I think that there's, you know, let them do their natural cycle. Yeah. When I was a kid, when we had chickens as a kid, that's what we would do. We had, a um, we had two lights out there. One was underneath the water. So the water wouldn't freeze. And then we had a light that we would, um, turn on and off to give them a little bit of extra and keep them laying through the winter. Um, it's something I, I didn't do when we were in like Vermont. Um, just because I don't know, it felt like, uh, just kind of let them do their thing, you know, and, and jive with the, the seasons on their own. But yeah. And that's, that's what I prefer. You know I mean? If you're trying to do, you know, a natural, which most people getting backyard chickens or whatever, that's what they're trying to do is be more, a little more, you know, they're just trying to, to get out of the industrial kind of food thing and what, you know, just have a more natural kind of setup. So I, th- I think that's definitely the best way to go is just let them do their thing. Right How long will the chicken lay eggs for? Do you know? They will lay eggs for several years. Um, I believe that most chickens have about a thousand ov- ovum mm-hmm. in them. So that's like the most eggs that they can lay over their lifetime is how many eggs they're born with inside of them. Um, usually the first two years is you know, a good, um, when they're, when they're laying the most, once you hit that two year point, you know, once they get through their second season, um, their egg laying definitely does drop back a little bit. So depending on your scenario, you're either going to have them as pets <laughs> or you're going to, um, you know, to get them off into the, uh, into the stew pot. Uh, but uh, that's a very situational thing. You know, if you got a bunch of kids and these are your first chickens, you might have a hard time, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to eat Henrietta. Um, <laughs> but, um, but when you have a, ton of them and they all look the same it's not that hard you know you cycle them out yeah. new ones in yeah i know that i know that well but yeah and i mean it depends on your parenting style too you know hey how harsh are we going to teach lessons you know yeah. yeah well you start getting into the meat birds and stuff like that and it kind of is part of it you know it becomes yeah and once you know your first batch is always the hardest you know and we did our first ones we ate a few heritage breed ones and it was a, it was a rough day processing them and everything and you know they that try really hard not to name them, you know, but when it's your first like <laughs> half a dozen chickens, you know, they, they all end up with names and stuff. So it does get really tough. But yeah, once you've been doing it for a couple of years, it's, it's a little more normalized for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I don't know. I, I don't mind eating the roosters. Like they, that doesn't bother me. The, the hens I always feel bad about. I don't know why it's just something they're like, eh, you know, but yeah, so, you know, it's, they're females. They're sweet when it's a rooster. It's like, oh, whenever he wakes me up in the morning and you know, <laughs> I mean, I've yet to have a very friendly rooster. They're all kind of offstandish. But do you do you have to have a rooster? Do you have roosters? Um, yeah, we definitely have roosters. Um, you do not have to have a rooster by any means. And a lot of people, especially if you're doing a small backyard flock, and you're not really gonna. Your neighbors might not appreciate you having a rooster, or your city might have ordinances against having a rooster. Um, I personally like to have one just because it fills out the flock. They play their role. All the hens are around them eating and they're sitting up there alert, watching out. And, you know, it's, it's neat, but it's not necessary for them to have a, for them to lay eggs or anything. If you want those eggs to hatch like in an incubator or for the hens to hatch them, you will need a rooster. But, um, but otherwise, no, they're not necessary. And, you know, depending, again, depending on the family situation, if you have some real little kids or something, you might, you know, you might not want to risk having a mean rooster. 
but um, but you don't need one by any means. But they are they are cool to have. They are fun. We've had we've really only had one that was super friendly. Like you'd walk up to it and it'd come up to you and insist on being picked up, and you pick it up and pet it and it'd fall asleep in your arms and you know. But we've only ever had one like that. Fortunately, this go around, we haven't had any that are super mean either. I think as long as you give them enough space, they're normally fine. Yeah, we. Uh... I don't know. We've had a couple that have been like very unfriendly and they don't last long. Um, I actually got spurred by one at one point in time. I kind of, I walked past it and like, I, I knew better than to do what I was doing, but I wasn't really thinking about it. And it, it wasn't cornered, but it definitely didn't have like an escape route. And it just kind of like jumped at me and spurred my thigh. And I, you had some couple deep uh, puncture wounds. So I had to go get go get my tetanus shot for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah those, uh, some of those spurs on those birds are massive. <laughs> they get big. They get real big. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you do you leave the spurs on yours? I know some people uh, will take them off. Um, yeah, I leave them on. You know, we um, we looked into it at one point because we were having issues with some of the hens being uh, how should I mm-hmm. say, uh, mated too hard. Yeah, yeah, and they were getting uh, they were getting cuts on them. And we've actually had some really uh, we didn't realize the first time it happened, we didn't realize there was something wrong with the chicken. She was acting funny. We lifted up her wing, and I mean, there was no skin under her wing. Like you could see organs and stuff. It was really really awful. But man, we I'll tell you what, dude, we washed it out with soap, isolated her. And uh, a couple months later, couldn't even tell she was fine. Ended up being a real sweet, sweet hen, maybe because she realized, oh, they saved me, you know, they're <laughs> really nice. You know, we can pick her up. Uh, but I mean, they, so again, they are really resilient. But at any rate, we, um, yeah, we looked into it and I don't know, man, it's just any of the methods that I saw was I, I just couldn't stomach doing it for, for the cause. If we had one that was that bad, I'd, I'd honestly feel better, which might be backwards. I'd feel better killing it and eating it, <laughs> you yeah. know, than I would because it just seemed, it seemed kind of gruesome and painful. Uh, maybe there's a better way, but I I don't know. It's just not something I wanted to stomach. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think you know one of, one of the reasons we have roosters around is kind of give them a little bit of protection, um, you know, and and that's what the spurs are sort of for for, um, you know, give a little bit of that. Uh, oh, you're getting a Georgia accent. I I know. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I think I said spur and then four and fur and I, I don't know. Leave it alone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but but yeah and they, and they also make specific noises too so again from protection even if they're not um even if they're not actively you know like protecting the birds it gives you a chance if you're off in the distance and you sort of learn their noises you hear their i'm not even gonna try to imitate it but if you know you hear their specific hey there's a hawk flying overhead noise you know or or, or something uh that you know because hey let me go check them out and same thing at nighttime um if you know if you're crowing at night sometimes it's an indication that there's predators lurking around um so you know they can they they can sort of just give you a heads up let you know what's going on a little more it let you communicate with your flock a little bit better yeah yeah i I, um, always had had roosters around um that's uh Um, i don't know can uh, i mention something about housing real quick yeah sure Um, by all means. So, um, so when you, when you do like your housing for your coops, um, you know, you can certainly do something stationary and this can depend a little bit on your setup and your, and your land and everything. Um, and there's, you know, there, there's just a few things they have to have, but otherwise coop builds are pretty, pretty open to, you know, however you want to design them. But if possible, I definitely like to recommend that people have a mobile option. Even if it's not something that gets moved every day, build something that can be moved. So let's say, you know, uh, 
a, a few, you know, I don't know how big a property is, 50, 100 feet away, give them different areas to, uh, to graze. And then that way it keep, keeps them fresh. You're keeping the manure spread out and it gives you options for where you want to put them. Because a lot of homesteaders, even if you're on a small space, you know, you can use chickens for utility purposes. You can use them to, to weed eat, to, um, you know, to almost till um, an area to clear weeds out naturally. Um, and then you can sort of control where they go. You can control where that manure ends up and you can control what work you're having done with them. So consider a mobile option if it's possible for you. I have both. I have some stationary pens and I have, chicken tractors and other pens that, yeah, it's a little bit of a hassle, but I can always move them clear to the other side of the property if I want. So I, you know, if you can incorporate something like that, I definitely like to do that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much they can mow down. Um, you know, put them around the edge of the garden and, and just have them go around that. And it's, it's wild what they can. They will take it down to bare dirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're picking out all the weed seeds and that, you know, that seed bank in your soil. So, they're really going to um, clean it up a bit for you in the future. And, and then if you plant there, you know, you'll hopefully have less weed issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of predators, uh, and it's going to be different, I think in different areas. Um, what do you do? Just, just keep your, keep your, your housing tight. I mean, how do, how do you prevent predators? What do you have? Yeah. Um, you know, so a lot, a lot of it's kind of start, start with something and then, you know, if there's an issue, solve that problem that day, you know, predator you're at some point, depending on where you're at, you're probably going to have a predator issue at some point and that's okay. But if the same thing happens twice, that's on you, you know, you need to handle it when, when it happens, it's your job is to take care of these birds. So the, the biggest predator issues are going to be when they're younger, you need to watch out for aerial predators because that'll happen in the middle of the day. You know, most other predator problems are going to be a nighttime thing. So they're very habitual. You have them sleep in the same place for a few days or a week. They're going to come back every night. So, you know, you have a chick coop for them. You lock them in there for a week. You deal with that. And then you can start letting them out and they'll come back every night. So the best thing is have something with the door that you can close. Have it sealed up kind of tight. Again, depending on your predators down here, most of our predators are larger. Um, up north where you have things like minks and, you know, little smaller Weasels, predators. Yeah. You know, you might have, yeah, you might have a harder time. Um, so you might have to just button things up tighter. If you have issues with things digging under, you might need a bury fence you know, around the pen. Um, I personally really like using electric fence. Uh, it's easy to use. It's pretty cheap. takes a little bit of practice, you know, getting the hang for how to set it up and everything. But, you know, once a predator, and it can be a big predator, a fox or a coyote, it catches that electric fence on its nose one time, it's not coming back, you know? So it can even be the kind of thing. A lot of times my electric fence is, it's out there, but it's not that set up. But if we do have issues of predators coming in, I'll go out, I'll spend, you know, a day or whatever, fixing it up, making it real secure. And then they might come back that night, but then we never see them again. So um, electric fence is a really good way to go. Uh, if you can afford it, what's really nice is the electro fence netting. Um, it's light, it's easy to set up. Um, it works very effectively and it's easily movable. Um, that's the uh, set of the netting itself is like 160 bucks and then you need a charger and stuff. So it does it does start to get up there in price versus just buying wire. But, um, but yeah, I can't say enough about electric fence. But, I mean, honestly, for most people, if you have a good tight coop and you keep an eye on it, uh, you know, you'll be okay. But if you have an issue, you're just going to have to solve it. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it can be intense. We, when we were in Vermont, we were in, like, very suburban area. Uh, we were on a – it was, like, a fifth of an acre. And, uh, you know, we had our chickens in the backyard, and we left them out, and they had a little home they'd go in. and we went out 
one morning and there was just feathers everywhere. And it was a fox. A fox had climbed like the fence, you know, and like I have neighbors on all sides, you know, except for one little spot where we faced the road. And there's a fox like climbed over the fence. So even, even when you think things are secure or whatever, like there's, there's holes that you'll figure out. Um, and you just got to kind of, kind of deal with it. And yeah, sometimes you don't, you don't realize where the weak spot is until something penetrates it, you know? And, um, and a lot of times, like if you're in a suburban setup, your, your biggest issue is probably going to be your neighbor's dog, yeah. you know? So, you know, you got to be aware of stuff like that. And then that's a whole neighborly relations issue. That starts. <laughs> so yeah, you really want to avoid that one. <laughs> right on. Yeah. I, uh, I hear you. And that's, and you mentioned weasels there. Um, that's one that like people don't, I think don't really think about a lot of the time because they, they are so little, like, you know, it's the size of a red squirrel. Um, yeah. But they will wreak ha- Like when I was a kid, our flock just got decimated. Like they took it down from like 20 to zero in no time. And I mean, that was just it. And, and there's nothing you could like, I, we couldn't figure out how to fight it. They were, you know, we kept them penned in and they'd still figure out how to get in and they, they wouldn't even eat them. They just kill them. And like, leave them there you know uh, it was really pretty horrific um so yeah i think they're one of those that if they just see like movement they just like mm-hmm. attack it so they yeah. get in there and all the chickens start running around and they just attack them all kill them all i mean we had a, a coyote uh, about a year ago that i mean we came out one morning and there were just 30 something chickens dead like none of them eaten you know they're just out there killing them for fun i guess i mean it's a dog you know what do you want from it so yeah it's, uh, it's rough uh, all right all right well um I don't know. I think that's, it's about good there. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope that people appreciated that. And I know some people, you know, it's, it, it can be scary getting into chickens, but uh, it's not, not that bad. So it's just like um, anything, man, you get it, you mess a couple things up and, um, and you know, you learn from your mistakes just like anything. So, you know, yeah. don't, don't be, don't be scared. And it's so easy to over, overthink and fret about every little thing, you know, get you a book, Give some stuff a try. And when you run into a problem, solve it and you'll be a pro in no time. For sure. For sure. All right. So where, where do we go to find you? Um, I co-host the Agorist Nexus podcast uh, where we talk about agorism. Uh, uh, and it's a, it's a good time. And then um, I'm a de-agorist on like social media. So, you know, you've got your, uh, you know, your key base and discord and stuff. Um, I hang out on there a lot. So if anybody wants to come chat about chicken, come on down. All right. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, uh, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. Anytime, brother. All right, guys, that was a friend of the show, Senor Daggerist. I don't know why I call him Senor. He's uh, easier than, than calling him Mr. I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know, but I did. I am, and I'm sticking with it. So there it is. Go check him out on Agorist Nexus. Um, that's his his podcast that he's starting to co-host, and uh, lots, of, lots of good stuff over there, lots of very interesting stuff over there that uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess that it might tickle your fancy. So if you haven't given them a, a listen yet, do that now. Go leave a review on iTunes. Check out Patreon, patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie. And of course, as always, I know you guys go to Amazon. Use my link. Just use the link. Go to go to homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon. Click the link. Go to Amazon. Buy your junk. And uh, I get a little kickback. It's not much, but I get something. 
and uh, something is better than nothing, right? So go do that. And uh, I guess that's that's all for today. If you guys have any any show recommendations, anything you want to hear uh, someone talk about, uh, go on at length and kind of get into some of the some of the more nitty gritty details of things. Um, let me know. Send me an email, homesteadsandhomeschools at gmail.com, HS and HS pod on Twitter, or go to the show notes, homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 078, and uh, find the Keybase link and, and jump on over there and uh, let me know. So that's all for today, guys. I hope you have a, a wonderful week. Hope you are enjoying the warmth if you're down here in the south. Um, really enjoying the warmth. Uh, some, some of my popcorn popped on the cob, so you know it's toasty. You know, it's summertime. Guys, remind you to get out there, sow those seeds of liberty, and we can all reap sheaves of freedom together.